0: our scripture lesson this morning is going to come to us probably can't tell it's coming out of the second the second chronicles the 20th chapter i hope you have that kind of marked in your bible by now may have a little greasy spot on it uh, that's a good place to be we're going to start with verse 15 today and go through verse 23 just a few verses in chapter 20 We've been talking about Jehoshaphat and, uh, and how God used Jehoshaphat and God ministered to Jehoshaphat in a, in a very difficult time in, in his life and the, the life of the people of Judah. Hear what he says, out of starting with verse 15, chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. And he said, Listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the king and king Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Kohites and the Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and he said, Hear me, Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets, you will succeed. And when he has taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord And praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped destroy one another. Let us pray a moment. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. It's my prayer, Lord, that the truth of your word will penetrate our hearts. You will write it upon our hearts so that we might know your way, so that we might be able to learn, Lord, from your truth, how we can live our life, how we can live in such a way, Lord, as to bring glory to you, just like Jehoshaphat, just like the people of Judah in in this instance. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Pour out your mercy upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, we're in the second week of this series. When trouble comes, we'll end next week. And we're looking at the story of King Jehoshaphat and this this little event that happened in his life. He was the fourth king of Judah following Solomon's death. And uh, he was a good king, a good king. And he was trying to build a stronger, safer, more prosperous, more religious Judah. And a whole bunch of his enemies got together and they formed an alliance to try to take it all away. Joseph had found himself in real trouble, real trouble, and his response was real fear. He was terrified. He had no way to combat what was coming against him. These combined armies were so much greater than his, he didn't know what to do. So what did he do? Did he panic? No. Did he wave the white flag? No, he didn't do that either. The Bible says, and we learned this last week, he, he set his face to seek the Lord. He prayed. He fasted. He listened to God. He trusted. He worshipped. Simply put, he gave himself totally to God. He surrendered. He surrendered himself to God so that he wouldn't have to surrender himself to his enemies. And that's an important lesson to learn. And how did God answer Jehoshaphat's prayers? How did God answer this, this surrender that he, he gave to him? How did God answer when Joseph gave himself completely over to God? He said, do not be afraid, right there. Do not be discouraged. This is my fight. It's not yours. In other words, God's saying, trust me. Trust me. You can't ask for anything better, could you? Could we ask for anything better in our life? You know, if you're looking at your life today and you're overwhelmed with obstacles, you're overwhelmed with problems, overwhelmed with trouble, whatever it is you're facing, God can get you through it. God will get you through it. He will fight your battle. That's that's what this lesson is teaching us. And He will win your victory. And in the process, He will bring you closer to Him than you've ever been before. Look at how the story ends if you flip over and over to to verse 30 and the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace that's the shalom of God more than just the absence of conflict it's the wholeness of God the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side the focus of this message is that when trouble comes and it will come the focus is that God will fight your battles for you. God will do the heavy lifting, the hard work. When you think about it, that's amazing. That's amazing. You would think everybody in this world would believe in this God, would, would want to yearn for this God, would, would hanker to know more about this God. A God who fights our battles for us, a God who, who takes our troubles as His troubles. But if you want God to fight your battles for you, you need to get out of the way. You need to get out of the way. You need to let him do it. You need to surrender and keep surrendering yourself to him so that you don't mess it up. You can trust him to give you victory in every area of life. But in order to experience the victory, There are certain things that we need to do, and we can learn them right here. And One of the very first things is we need to confront our problems face-to-face. They're real. They're not fake, and we need to confront them. When Jehoshaphat cried out to God for help, God, God could have said, Hey, there's an army gathered out against you, gathered around out there against you, out in the wilderness, but don't worry. Don't worry. You know, you just stay right here, and I'll take care of it. He could have said that, but he didn't, did he? Did you notice that? He could have said that very easily. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You just stay right here. It's like the way he doesn't uh, take us to heaven when we first believe, you know. He leaves us here to live a few years sometimes. He almost never takes us straight on up. God's end game is not our eternity. It's His glory. And it's His pleasure. Sometimes we get confused in the world we live in. And we start to think that God's purpose is to serve us. That God's purpose is to make us happy. That God's purpose is to make our life a, a, a joyous event. That's, that's never been in Scripture. That's not God's purpose. God's purpose is to bring glory to Himself. Those of us who, who learned the catechisms when we were younger, and maybe as we're older, maybe we should learn them again. You remember what the first catechism, the, the shorter one, the first catechism was? What is the chief end of man? In other words, what's the purpose of man? You remember it? The chief end of man is to glorify God and then enjoy Him forever. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. When Jehoshaphat was was confronted with armies gathered to destroy him, God told him not to be afraid, not to be dismayed. God told him the battle was his, yes, God's. But he also told Jehoshaphat to take his army right there in verse 16 and go march, march down against them, those enemies. There was something Jehoshaphat and Judah had to do as well. They had to confront those enemies. They had to confront their problems. You know, trusting God to solve our problems doesn't mean we ignore them. Nor does it mean that these problems don't exist. We can't avoid them. We can't dodge them. God wants you and I to, to, to meet His, our problems face to face. He wants to give us victory in the presence of our enemies. You remember Psalm 23, I guess, right? You prepare a table before me. Where? In the presence of my enemies. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's to display God's glory. It's to display to all the world His majesty, His power, His greatness. I think that also it's because God wants you and me to see how huge our enemy really is. Sometimes we think we can take on anything. And also so that we can see how great our God really is. Think about your problems. What do you need to do in order to confront them? You don't need to fight them in your own strength. God's already promised He's going to fight your battles for you. But you do need to confront them. You do need to face up to them. You do need to say they're real. You may not have the wherewithal to to solve your health problem or your marital problems or your financial problems, but you can stand up to them. And that's a truly important step, a critical step. Just as David stood up to Goliath, you can take your position just as God told Jehoshaphat to do, so that the glory of God can be revealed in your life. That's why we're here. That's our chief end. It's been said again and again that 80% of success is simply showing up. You know, that maybe a lot of truth there. I think that applies to the way we face our problems as well. When you're willing to stand up to your enemy face to face, you unleash the power of God. So stand In faith, But there's more than just confronting our problems. We also need to to take action against those problems. We need to hear what God is saying and, and follow God in what he says. Listen to what he told Jehoshaphat. Tomorrow, tomorrow he said, go march down against them. In verse 17 he says, go out and face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So what did Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah do? Verse 20, they rose early in the morning and they went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Tekoa, just due south of Jerusalem, several miles, out into the wilderness at the top of the the mountain ranges that lead down into the Dead Sea. The enemy was coming up those mountains. God sent Jehoshaphat and the armies of Judah out there to the top of those mountains. In the wilderness to wait for the battle. In other words, they moved as soon as possible. They had something to do. They had they had to confront their problem and and they had to take action, and they had to take that action with some sense of urgency. They didn't put it off. You know, lots of times when I know when I'm up against a problem, I, I know I've got to face it, I know I've got to confront it, but I tend to want to put it off. How about you? Hmm. There's a little booklet called uh, Life's Little Instruction Book. I don't know if you've ever read that. You might try it. It's not. It's very, very little, simple, easy read. By uh, H. Jackson Brown. And he says, where there is a hill to climb, don't think waiting will make it any shorter, any smaller. We know that's true, don't we? But often we don't do it. Reminds me of something that Anne Frank once said, how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Real interesting thought. And I would say to you how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before facing up to their problems. No matter what it is. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before taking the necessary action to make your life what it needs to be. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior and beginning to experience that new life that only He can give. The Apostle Paul said it in Second Corinthians, today is the day of salvation. Indeed, the right time is now. The right time is always now. Today, you, me, we can begin taking steps to move our problems out of the way. And we all have problems. Even if they're tiny, little insignificant problems, you deal with them all the same way. You you don't categorize them, well, I can handle these and these are yours, God, because I'm pretty sure I can't handle them. No, you deal with them all the same way. You surrender them to God You let him fight the battle. Even if what we do is only tiny little baby steps, even if they seem laughably insignificant, you begin taking those steps. You begin putting yourself in a position so that God can work. And I can promise you two things. God will notice, and God will show up. There are many things when we're looking at the vast army before us that we think. You know, we think, I can't do everything, so I'll, you know, I'll do nothing. (laughs) It's overwhelming. I can't solve this problem today, so I'll put it off till some other time, as if some other time is going to be a better time. We develop a what's-the-use attitude. We think, what good will it do if I eat salad today? Instead of pizza, is one salad going to make me healthier? Or we think, what good will it do if I take my wife out for a romantic dinner? Is one evening going to solve our marriage problems? Or we think, what good will it do if I put $10 in savings? I can't retire on $10. Or we think, I'll confront these problems when I have a better chance at solving them. never happens if Jehoshaphat and his army had believed these lies they would never have gone in the wilderness they would have faced never going to face their enemies they would never have experienced God's victory God told the army to move into position right away he said I will be with you I'm going to protect you I'm going to fight for you I'm going to give you victory all those things are in this story. But you need to take a certain action. And you need to take it now so that I can begin the blessing. God is telling us that we need to be willing to face up to our problems, that's for sure. And He's telling us that we need to do it now, not later. And the third thing He's saying He says, we need to wrap around ourselves and God in worship and praise. And we talked about that last week. You know, we're going to talk about it next week. There's a point in all that. Our relationship with God is primarily, primarily worship and praise. Our relationship with, with God isn't that He's our sugar daddy and He should take care of us and He should solve our problems and He should make life easy for us because we believe in Him. That isn't our relationship with God. That isn't the relationship He desires. Remember it's we're the created he's the creator. Our purpose is to glorify him, to worship him, to praise him, to thank him. Our purpose is to bring light to him. And as an after after effect of that, we will enjoy him forever. Look at what happened in verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise Him in holy attire. Now, I know the NIV says, in the splendor of His holiness. And I love that, but holy attire, splendor of His holiness. Think about that when you want to talk about church dress codes. Anyhow, as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for His steadfast love endures forever. And then what does the Bible say in verse 22? And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Did you get that? The very moment they began to sing and give praise, the enemy self-destructed. They self-destructed. Last week we talked about how praise and worship were so important in seeking God. They're also very, very important in in confronting our problems. They're crucial, though, to experiencing victory. I'm convinced that we talk way too much about our problems. We talk way too much about the strength of the enemy, about how bad things are. Oh, you hear it everywhere, don't you? Oh, the economy is awful. The gas prices are high. My job is stressful. We got the wrong people in office. My marriage is, is falling apart. I've got this ache, I've got that ache, and on and on and on. And there's a big difference between confronting our problems and complaining about them. You know what determines the difference? A mouthful of faith, a heart full of faith, and a mouthful of praise. A heart full of faith and a mouthful of praise. Look what Jehoshaphat said to the people in verse 20. Hear me, Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. In other words, stand firm in faith. People who do nothing but complain about their problems talk as if their problems are the biggest thing in the world. On the other hand, people who rightly are confronting their problems talk as if God is bigger than any situation they will ever face. As you approach the enemies of life, and they are many, stand firm in the faith. Believe in the Lord your God. And speak words not of complaint, but of thanksgiving and praise. You think you have the courage to do that? Sometimes I'm not sure. I want to. But it's not easy. Do we have the courage to say, God, I'm, I'm taking steps in that direction. I'm, I'm trying. It's an act of faith. I, I'm lifting my heart in praise and thanksgiving to you. Because I know you're good, and I know you're mighty, and I know your word is true, and your love endures forever, and you give strength to your people, and by your power we have victory. I know that. And I want to give honor and praise and thanksgiving to you in every way. Do we have the courage to say that? Do we have the courage to live that? Because, you know, it is more comfortable to keep on saying, Oh, the economy. In this story, we see the army of Judah was preceded by praise. And as a result, the army never had to enter the fight. God fought the battle for them because they stood firm in faith. When you got armies lined up against you and problems coming after and surrounding you, when trouble comes, and it surely does, first thing we do, surrender. Give it all to God. Give it all to God. And then we stand firm. We stand firm in the faith and we watch with praise and thanksgiving as God takes on our enemy. The battle doesn't belong to you. Oh, we have a part in it. But the battle is the Lord's, right? And He has promised victory. Victory. Our victory. Next week we're going to conclude this this story of Jehoshaphat. And this this truth that God's trying to teach. In passage, in a, in what I like to call the the valley of blessing. The valley of blessing. Let's read on up to verse thirty. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for loving on us and allowing us to be so loved.